The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease, but these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining us, whether it's live or on demand. We love all of our listeners and want to support those who embrace the notion that although they may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y, that they can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices they make. And many of us in Gen R try to make the greenest lifestyle choices possible. And there's nothing greener than hemp products. Our guest today, Morris Beagle, will explain why. Morris is an entrepreneur and founder of Colorado Hemp Company, TreeFreeHemp.com, and creator of the NOCO Hemp Expo, now in its third successful year. Morris is a strong advocate for the regeneration of hemp as a sustainable commodity in Colorado, the United States, and the planet. And today, he'll educate us about all of the industrial, nutritional, and environmental advantages of hemp and why we should all embrace the sustainable resource immediately, if not sooner. Welcome to the show, Morris. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, Well, thank you, Sandra. I'm glad that uh, you've invited me to be on your program. You are very welcome. And I look forward to learning a lot today. And let's start by defining what hemp is. How is hemp different from marijuana? Well... Hemp and marijuana both come from the cannabis plant. And really the difference between the two is the THC content. And THC is a cannabinoid um, that is responsible for getting you high or the psychoactive component in marijuana. So hemp or industrial hemp or nutritional hemp, um, as defined um, for the first time actually here in the United States in the 2014 Farm Bill, is any cannabis sativa plant that has a THC level below 0.3%. So basically, the THC content is negligible. Uh, It will not get you high. And even if that THC content was, let's say, 1% or 2%, that's still incredibly low. And and most marijuana that you're going to find on the market is anywhere between 5% on the low end and upwards to 25 or 30%. So, and the functionality of the plants is completely different. I mean, you use marijuana, A, for either medicinal benefits or recreational um, uses to, you know, go out and catch a buzz. And with hemp, you use that for a variety of things, whether that's food or industrial uh, uses such as building materials and bioplastics and, um, There's just all kinds of those uses, which we'll get into later in the program, I believe. Absolutely, yes. Now, how is this resource renewable? Why do you consider it to be more renewable, for example, than trees? Well, hemp generally takes 90 to 120 days to grow, and it is a 100% renewable crop that could be grown organically or traditionally. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there are pesticides and herbicides that are used um, in some parts of the world with hemp, but it can be grown organically. And again, it only takes 90 to 120 days to grow, whereas with trees, um, even with the best tree farms these days, it's still an 8 to eight to 12-year process. Um, it's very water-intensive as well as, uh, you know, it's hard on the environment and hard on the ecosystem. So there are That's better right. alternatives. 
That's right. Yes. Losing trees is not beneficial at all for a lot of reasons. Now, at what point in your career did you become such a passionate advocate for hemp use? 1995, I moved back to Colorado. I'd been in the music business in California and Atlanta, and I moved back in 95 to start my own record company called Happy Scratch Records. And when I moved back, I moved to Fort Collins, and there was a store there called the Hemper's New Clothes, which I started to hang out at, and that's really where I first got educated um, by the gal who was the store owner. Her name was Carolina Westers. And uh, there was a book in that store called the, the Emperor's New Clothes or the Emperor's New Clothes, which she in turn named the store the Emperor's New Clothes. And anyway, that book is one of the, uh, what's considered kind of the Bible of the hemp and cannabis movement. It was back in the nineties and it inspired a lot of people to really find out the history of cannabis and hemp and, and how it ended up becoming illegal which happened back in the 1930s with the Marijuana Tax Act and then really got reinforced uh, in 1970 with the Controlled Substances Act. So at that time, I, you know, I got educated between 1995 and 2000 and became real passionate about all the great benefits that hemp can provide. And just, you know, since then, I've been a, really passionate about it and hadn't had the opportunity to really get involved up until 2012 when Amendment 64 um, to legalize recreational marijuana and, and regulate it like alcohol happened here in Colorado. Because within that amend- in amendment, there was a, a clause in there that allowed for farmers here in Colorado to start growing industrial hemp again. Got you. Okay. So that's a good thing. And since then, like we mentioned in the intro, you founded a few companies. Can you tell us about the mission of the Colorado Hemp Company? Well, Colorado Hemp Company is really a product and brand development company. And we also do marketing, live events. Uh, We create merchandise and we're all about the advocacy. So we're really focused on moving the hemp industry forward you know, through events and education and trying to bring like-minded people together who all share in the same desire to fully legalize industrial hemp on the national level and have it completely removed from the controlled substances list. Yes. Okay. And speaking of advocacy, you're going to be organizing the third NOCO Hemp Expo right here in Northern Colorado on April 1st and 2nd. So can you tell us about that? What were the first two like and what do you hope to achieve with this one? Well, the the first two, the first one I did in a small club in Windsor uh, called Ricky B's, and we sold it out. Uh, there was like 330 people there, and we had probably 15 or so speakers and 15 to 20 vendors, and we had hemp food, we had hemp beer, we had live music, and it was a really nice educational get-to-know-what-hemp-is type event. And then last year, we moved to the Budweiser Ranch Events Complex here in Loveland, and we had a a building called the McKee Building that's a 13,000-square-foot small expo hall where we brought in 70-plus vendors. We had over 50 speakers and panelists, and we had an event that had 1,250 to 1,300 people. It was full the whole day, great energy, great panels, again, great education for the general public as well as for the industry itself as the industry is picking up um, across the country. There's multiple states that are now growing industrial hemp, and there's really a a movement at the national level to pull it off the the schedule altogether. And this year, um, we're really taking it to the next level. We've got 36,000 square feet at the First National Bank building out at the Ranch Events Complex, and we'll have over 100 vendors, again, over 50 speakers and panelists, We've got some amazing educational seminars that are in the works right now on the programming side. And we just think that, you know, there's going to be a lot more interest this year. We already know there is because I've already sold out of exhibitor space and we're still six weeks out to the event. So that's great. You know, we expect, you know, this movement is just now getting started. And, you know, as the general public finds out, you know, what industrial hemp is. And a lot of the public does know, but they still get it confused with marijuana. And and that's a big part of this event is really 
letting people know that, hey, it's not marijuana, it's not about getting high, it's about all these other great things from, you know, getting the planet healthy and getting your body healthy and, and just making great sustainable choices. I think that's the point right there. It seems like there's a growing consciousness about many things involving health for our bodies and the planet. And you see a lot happening with the food movement, improving the food supply, uh, trying to get awareness about all the artificial junk, the chemicals, the process, the genetically modified, and so on. People are becoming much more interested in what's called free from food, and companies are reacting to that. And it seems like a growing interest in a renewable product like hemp is just hand-in-hand with that. Because if, if you want to be more gentle on your body and the planet, that just goes right along with it. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, so, okay. Well, I can't wait for the NOCO Hemp Expo. I am going to be there. I can't wait. It's going to be great to meet everybody who's active in this movement. Now, with just a couple of minutes left in this segment, can you tell us about your other initiative, Tree Free Hemp? Yeah, so treefreehemp.com is our hemp paper and printing division. And coming from the music business, I've I've been in the printing business for a long time doing T-shirts and CD and DVD packaging and a variety of different paper stocks. And and I found a a supplier that was making a hemp-based tree-free paper, and I partnered up with them and had them start making a couple of specialty stocks for us. And we've, you know, over the last year and a half have really got the the hemp paper printing process dialed in with the the right type of machines and the right type of eco toners and eco inks. And so we're doing business cards and flyers and program guides and event tickets and posters and just a variety of marketing collateral that's available for not only the hemp and cannabis industries, but all green, you know, thought-driven industries that want us to make choices that are are more sustainable so okay that's great thank you for introducing us to all of these initiatives and let's get ready now for a break and before we go i'd like to shout out to our sponsor on gen r radio we believe that food is the foundation of true health food like hemp learn to cook to heal with monica corrado teaching chef and holistic nutritionist monica is offering a four-day learn to cook for well-being intensive in northern colorado and around the country in 2016 for more information go to simplybeingwell.com now it's time for that break thanks again everyone for joining us this is your host for generation regeneration sandra malhotra and i'm here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate morris beagle and we just talked about his initiatives the colorado hemp company treefreehemp.com and the upcoming noco hemp expo and in the next segment we're going to discuss in detail all of the industrial and nutritional uses of hemp that morris alluded to stay close and we'll see you in a jiffy life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate Morris Beagle. And on the other side of this break, we alluded to some of the many uses of hemp. And now we're going to get into detail with that. So, Morris, can you tell us what are all of the things that hemp can be used for that people may not be aware of? Well, uh, hemp has an abundance of uses. um, And it's also easy on our ecosystem. It requires little to no pesticides. Well, you know, like cotton, for example, is one of the most heavily sprayed crops in the world. And hemp also replenishes the soil with nutrients. It controls erosion. It produces oxygen. It removes carbon dioxide. Um, and just as growing hemp is a boon to the environment, eating it is a boon to your health. Uh, hemp contains essential fatty acids, omega-3, 6, and 9 in perfect ratios, um, eight essential amino acids, minerals, and high-quality proteins. So from a food standpoint, uh, you've got the hemp seeds, which they can either be hulled, which means that they're deshelled, they pull the shell off of them, or they can be toasted. Um, and you've got the toasted hemp seeds, and they're nice and crunchy, and they kind of taste like sunflower seeds. Uh, you can use them in salads, smoothies, oatmeal, yogurt, energy bars, cereal. Um, there's a hemp milk out there. It's a non-dairy alternative that a lot of people prefer over yep. soy milk and almond milk. Um, protein powder, as we were talking about on the break, um, right. it's, you know, getting really popular in the whole, you know, health club market. And they're also using it in energy drinks and vitamin water. There's a hemp vitamin water out there now, now called Chong Water, which is Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Oh, and it's God, organic vitamin water. Yeah. So, and, you know, teas and coffees. So from a food standpoint, it's being used in all kinds of places, and it's being endorsed by a lot of your big health advocates, Dr. Oz, and, and on and on and on. Yes. So, okay. I mean, one of, you know, obviously one of the main uses um, that's been pretty popular as of the last five years or so is definitely the food side of things. Um, body care is another one with uh, the addition of hemp oil and soaps and lotions, shampoos, muscle rubs, salves, lip balms. Uh, you've got companies like Dr. Bronner's and Hemp's and the Fay Farm who, who all, you know, utilize hemp oil in their soaps and their lotions. And then another market that's really kind of popped up here in the last couple of years is the nutraceutical market um, with the addition of what is called CBD or cannabidiol. And that is a particular cannabinoid um, like THC, except it's non-psychoactive. And a lot of the research that's going on today has found it to be really beneficial towards, you know, specific ailments. Um, you may have heard of like the Charlotte's Web, um, Charlotte Figgy here from Colorado Springs, whose ep- epilepsy story garnered national attention. Uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta did a three-part series with CNN on the benefits of CBD and cannabidiol on the epilepsy um, with children situation. Yes. And so there's a lot of these kind of CBD or full-spectrum cannabinoid extract companies that are popping up. And and the delivery method for these nutraceuticals can be anywhere from tinctures to capsules or topicals or patches or even little droplets that you would put in like your coffee or tea or other beverages. 
that's so that's, you know, from yeah, kind of the, the whole food and body care and, you know, consumption standpoint, those are three of the main areas and uses of hemp. Yes. And flipping it to the other side, we've got the industrial um, from building materials, which is really getting popular in Europe. And it's got a lot of interest here in the United States where you can take the, the Basque fiber, which is comes off the stock. The hemp stock itself is really two things. It's the bass fiber, which is on the outside of it. And then the inside of that stock is called the herd, which is a woody core. And from those two, you can make a variety of building materials from hempcrete, which is a hemp and lime mix to, to build walls with, um, insulation, particle board, plaster, roofing, flooring, and even finishing products such as caulking and sealants and varnishes and paints. Wow. And using these materials offers significant environmental benefits, including regulating warm and cool temperatures, reducing energy costs, and it's also non-toxic, and it's considered a carbon sink. Therefore, what it does is it actually traps the carbon dioxide, uh, and it accumulates in the structure itself rather than going out into the atmosphere. So it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. All right. Um, So, yeah, I I didn't know about a lot of these industrial uses. So I'm sure a lot of folks are learning a little something here about that. Yeah, you know, biofuels is another area. Um, There's uh, ethanol and traditional seed oil biodiesel that both seem like uh, are very good opportunities for the alternative fuel market. Um, you can also make these little kind of pellets uh, from the hemp waste that can be mixed in with coal as an additive that helps reduce carbon emissions to help them meet their EPA regulations. So, wow. you know, we've got a crop that we're growing out of the ground to help, you know, clean up the, you know, a source that we've been digging out of the ground and mining out of the ground. And, you know, hopefully eventually we won't be doing yanking that stuff out of the ground anymore and we're just going to be growing everything out of the ground and harnessing that big shiny object in the sky for all of our fuel. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds really good. Now, how is the cost relative to conventional materials, especially for the industrial applications? Is it competitive? Well, it is in Europe. Um, there's a company called Hemp Flax that has developed a uh, hemp composite material that is now being used in car, big car manufacturers like BMW and Mercedes and Jaguar and Volkswagen, where they've been making a lot of their interior paneling and dashboards and molding um, out of the hemp materials. And they are, they are very cost competitive with their petrochemical alternatives or counterparts, I should say. And so here in the United States, because we're still in our infancy is getting this industry off the ground, we don't have the processing in place, and we don't have the seed in the ground and the acres and, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of materials that we need to process. So at this point, it's not cost competitive here in the U.S., but uh-huh. over the course of the next three to five to ten years, once we get the the processing in place and we get the amount of materials available um, I think that it's going to be very cost competitive, and I think you'll see a lot of big companies looking to green up their products because that is a that's a constant push, you know, from the government side of things and from the consumer side of things. And if consumers vote with their wallets, then you'll see you know more and more companies looking for greener alternatives. That's right. Voting with your wallet. That's a huge point. And I talk about that a lot with regards to just the food movement in general. Um, Better quality food, free from food, organic food. Really, a lot of the power is in our own hands in terms of what we choose to spend our money on. So um, if we want to see this product grow and, like you say, eventually become cost competitive, uh, let's support it in the marketplace. That's how we're going to shift this. And well, you yeah, mentioned that. definitely yeah, have to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, <laughs> it's okay. And so you mentioned that in Europe it's already cost competitive. So is it pretty prevalent there for a lot of uses? Is it used in other parts of the world? Yeah, absolutely. So the United States is the largest importer of 
hemp products on the planet. And yet we have not allowed our farmers to grow hemp, but we can import all this stuff. Whereas there, you know, there's 30 other industrialized countries in the world that freely let their people grow industrial hemp. We've got Canada, we've got all of Europe, we've got Russia, we've got China. Um, and so there's all these places around the world that are taking advantage of this great crop. And here in the U.S., we've just been kind of dragging our feet. And, you know, there's, a, you know, unfortunately, such a bureaucracy at our, you know, at the top political level that has not allowed this to come off the schedule. And, you know, again, there's a there's a movement, you know, happening across the country that over the course of the next 12 to 24 months, we'll see it removed from the schedule. And, you know, American farmers will be able to start growing the crop and American entrepreneurs will be able to start taking advantage of this new resource and, and make us competitive with the rest of the world and help, you know, revitalize small communities and these small farms that have been struggling and struggling and struggling. That's right. It just seems to only make sense on so many levels. So, Thank you for talking to us about all the wonderful uses for hemp and why we should all get behind this product. And let's get ready now for our next break. But before we go, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's show. And one thing we like to emphasize here also is gut health. So much of our health resides in our gut. And if you've heard about leaky gut or have the symptoms of it, pick up the book that will heal it to seal it. Meat Stock and Bone Broth, Cooking Techniques for the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet by Monica Corrado, Certified GAPS Practitioner and Teaching Chef. You can contact Monica at simplybeingwell.com or purchase her book at selineriverpress.com. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us. It's time for that break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate Morris Beagle. And we just started talking about all the wonderful uses for hemp and got a little bit into the situation in the U.S. politically, though we're going to get more into the politics of it in the next segment. This should be very interesting. So stay tuned, and we'll see you in a few with more great stuff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com. 
or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate Morris Beagle. And in the previous segment, we just started talking about some of the political considerations with hemp farming and the hemp industry. And now, Morris, I understand that hemp was a popular crop in our country a couple hundred years ago, and it clearly has many uses, like you talked about in the previous segment. What happened? Well, you are correct. Um, You know, since we colonized over here, hemp has been a, a staple crop. Um, even the, you know, the colonies were required to grow hemp back in the 1600s and the 1700s and even paid taxes with hemp. Um, our founders, you know, George Washington was a hemp farmer and so was Thomas Jefferson. So was John Adams and Benjamin Franklin had a paper mill that, you know, most likely, you know, utilized hemp in the paper making process because hemp has been utilized as a ingredient in paper making since paper making was invented 2000 years ago in China. Um, and what has, what happened was that the latter part of the 1800s, um, several things, the industrial revolution started, um, the cotton gin was invented, which made processing cotton, um, easier to do. Hemp has always been a real difficult crop to, to process. Um, you know, it's very, very strong fiber, very durable. I mean, that's why it's been used for thousands of years. I mean, it's, you know, an incredibly useful natural fiber. But the processing became easier for other natural fibers like jute and cotton and canaf and some other crops that were also around at that time. And then over the course of the next 30 or 40 years, you know, the, the research was done you know, stating that, hey, hemp could be, you know, the billion-dollar crop. And this this came out in, like, the 1930s, and Henry Ford had built a car, you know, the majority of it out of a hemp-based plastic, and it also ran on a hemp biofuel. And, and there was a resurgence of interest in hemp that as the alcohol prohibition ended, there was a new push for prohibition um, by a guy named Harry Anslinger, and the Marijuana Tax Act was put into place in 1937. And there's a variety of conspiracy theory that goes along with this, and that DuPont was involved, and William Randolph Hearst, and the paper industry, and and all this stuff. And whether you know some of that's true, none of it's true, or anything, there's certainly evidence that points out that you know there was a concerted effort to to put a damper on industrial hemp and tying it to marijuana. So it basically became very hard for people to, to, to grow hemp at that point in time. You had to have a special license and then, um, it just made it real difficult. But in 1941 during world war II, uh, we had to start growing hemp again because we needed hemp for sales and cordage and, and all this stuff. So we started growing hemp between 1941 and 1945. And after, um, after we won the war, then uh, hemp basically fell by the wayside and there hasn't been any, you know, emphasis to, to, to bring it back up until about the last 20 to 25 years. So, you know, it got tagged with marijuana and it, it was included in the, the controlled substances act as divining cannabis as anything that had, you know, THC in it. Um, and, you know, up until, you know, the beginning of the 90s, you know, a hemp movement started and, you know, the, the fight's been carrying on since then and, and it's still carrying on. And so now we've got legislation introduced at the federal level, um, which I guess we should go into now. Oh, yeah, please do. Yes, because we know in Colorado, like you said, Proposition 64 passed, so we're able to grow hemp here. What else is going on? Well, and there's been there's been hemp legislation passed at, you know, almost 30 states now, I believe. There's a company or organization called Vote Hemp. It's VoteHemp.com, and you can find out 
you know, what states have passed legislation um, and what's going on at the national level. And I was fortunate enough to go out to Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago and do this thing called Hemp on the Hill with uh, Representative Jared Polis. Um, there's Thomas Massey from Kentucky, Senator Wyden from Oregon. There was a group of c- Congress people that put on this hemp expo on Capitol Hill. And there's a particular piece of legislation. It's H.R. 525, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act. It's got 65 co-sponsors, you know, bipartisan, Republican and Democrat. And it's got quite a bit of momentum to completely pull hemp off of the Controlled Substances Act. And that includes all parts of the plant, you know, the CBD side of it. Everything would be pulled off of the Controlled Substances Act as long as it met the definition of 0.3% or less THC. Mm. Um, So we do have you know, a lot of positive things going on at the, at the federal level and a lot of stuff across the country at the state level that we really need to get this pulled off the, the federal schedule. And so going to Hemp on the Hill and, and seeing what's going on there was quite encouraging. So yeah, the downside of it is, is yes. from my understanding, this is an election year and the Republicans don't really want to introduce anything that is bipartisan that would pass because they feel that that would be a victory for the Democrats. So this is that political stuff that you got to look at from we, the people and, you know, us as the constituents, it's like, why don't these guys just govern and do what's right? You know, that's right. Yeah. It seems like what you said from earlier last century perhaps a deliberate effort to muddy the waters with hemp by tying it to marijuana and just a fair amount of misguided legislation since then, which has held down this very renewable crop in this country, yet we import it. Okay, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems like misguided educating Misguided is a great people, word. You know, mis- there's misguided. been all kinds of misguided stuff out there. Yeah. So how is Colorado Hemp Company participating in advocacy? You mentioned uh, a meeting that you went to in Washington, D.C. What else are you guys doing? Uh, well, we've, we're fortunate to be invited out to hemp New York City. There's an event that, that goes on February 27th and March 5th. It's a, a two-Saturday event. So um, we're going to get to go out there. Uh, New York passed hemp legislation in 2015 that's going to allow them to start growing here in 2016. And there's several people from Colorado and Kentucky heading out to New York to uh, do this hemp session out there. Um, and there's other states that have got things going on where we are being asked to participate. And again, with our NOCO Hemp Expo is being able to invite out all these other states who are introducing, you know, industrial hemp back into their agriculture department, you know, they can come out to our event and where we're going to pool all of the the best information coming out from the individual states, whether that's Kentucky or Tennessee or North Carolina or Virginia or Indiana or Oregon or, you know, we're going to have representatives from all of these states that have got things starting to happen with their hemp um, programs in their states. And I think that getting all of these like-minded people together from around the country is only going to strengthen the entire national program when it does come off the schedule. Cause again, it is going to come off the schedule and, and we really hope it's this year because okay. it's been far too long. It, it has been far too long. Yes, yeah, so that's one question that I was going to ask you is what would your dream accomplishments be for 2016? And it sounds like getting it off that schedule is a big one. Yeah, you know, if we can pass the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, the H.R. 525, which it's not the perfect bill, um, but it it does what it's, it needs to do, and that's pulling it off the schedule. And there's stuff that we can do post-passing this and getting it done, you know, at state level and even at the national level. But this is the first step that really needs to happen because it's going to clear up so many things with the DEA and the FDA. Um, and both of these organizations are 
organizations that really need to be removed from the equation. This industrial hemp really should be uh, Department of Agriculture. And, you know, not that there's not FDA guidelines or, you know, if it's hemp is utilized as a dietary supplement, which there's question about. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure that people that are selling hemp products on the market are selling what they're, they say they're selling and consumers are protected. So if you buy a, a vial or a little bottle that says it's got 500 milligrams of CBD in it, we want to make sure that consumers are getting that and that doesn't have like, 10 milligrams of CBD in it, and they're being ripped off. Right. So, you know, we certainly need regulation in this market, um, but I think that the industry itself can really self-regulate, kind of like the natural foods industry has self-regulated itself to a, a very high standard over the last decade. Yes. Okay. So a lot of great information there about what's going on and the momentum that's building and that can really keep going if it's removed from that drug schedule. So that's great stuff. And thank you for your leadership in that regard. And let's get ready now for our final break. But before we go, I'd like to thank our fabulous sponsor for today's show. Speaking of food that's good for the body, if you want to learn to cook to heal, then teaching chef and holistic nutritionist Monica Corrado has the program for you. Check out the Cooking for Wellbeing Learn to Cook program with Monica at simplybeingwell.com. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us. It's time for that break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate, Morris Beagle. And we just had a great discussion about the politics surrounding the hemp industry. And in the final segment, we're going to introduce you to the many organizations working on behalf of the green hemp industry and what you can do to become a hempster activist. Stay close and we'll be back soon. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I've been here with hemp entrepreneur and advocate Morris Beagle. And he's given us so much information about the usefulness of hemp and some of the politics surrounding it. So one thing we'd like to leave you with is the power that we all have as consumers And if we put our money behind products that we want to support, that they will grow in the marketplace. So, Morris, let's wrap up by letting our listeners know where they can go to learn more and do more on behalf of this great industry. Can you recommend some good resources for those who want to learn more? Oh, absolutely. So, there are several 
kind of trade organizations that are out there, uh, one being the Hemp Industries Association, and it's the HIA.org online, and they started back in the mid-90s, and they've been a, a driving force of, you know, hemp advocacy and awareness and legislation over the last 20 years. Um, and they've also got some partner organizations, Vote Hemp, um, who I mentioned before, VoteHemp.com. And they also do a thing called Hemp History Week every year. It's the first week of June, and there's they do events all across the country, and you can see it like at Whole Foods. And a, a lot of the natural grocers will, will jump on board and, and little hemp advocacy groups in different states. And, you know, you'll have events, and people will – you know, set up their vendor booths and talk about hemp products. And you've got big companies like Manitoba Harvest and Nutiva and Dr. Bronner's that'll send out samples and you put a lot of hemp in people's hands. And it's really a great awareness project that happens every year for industrial hemp. Awesome. Um, there's also another organization called the National Hemp Board the National Hemp Association that used to be the Rocky Mountain Hemp Association. And then uh, last year they, they, changed the name and have gone national and and they're also doing great work on the national level um for lobbying congress to uh to get the industrial hemp farming act done and you can find them online at nationalhempassociation.org and then there's another organization the medicinal hemp association that's run by a friend of mine richard rose who has a lot of great information out there really on kind of that nutraceutical and, and nutritional side of things. Uh, Richard was very instrumental in the development of the hemp food market back in the, the mid to late nineties mm. and the whole hemp seeds and, and his organization, it's a little different than the others, but again, it's a great resource for information. And, you know, if you get on the Google and you start typing, you know, hemp information and hemp advocacy, you'll find all kinds of links and resources that can get you the information that you need. Okay. So a lot of people doing great stuff out there. So good oh, yeah. shout outs. And what about Hemp History Week? So, yeah, again, Hemp History Week happens the first week of June. Yep. Um, they may have bumped it to the second week of June, but uh, there's it's traditionally like you know June first through the seventh, whatever that first week is. And and again, there's okay. events all around the country, small little events at at natural grocers, and and we've done an event. We did a hemp farmers market last year um, where we had about forty vendors and in a big parking lot, and you know it was a farmers market. We were selling food and apparel and and CBD products and, you know, passing out information and getting people engaged and involved. Okay, so that's basically in June then. So folks yeah. can be on the lookout for that at their natural grocers. Is there a website they can go to to learn more about that yeah, one? HempHistoryWeek.com. There you go. Okay, very straightforward. Uh, are there any other organizations that are working on behalf of advocacy and uh, getting people involved? Any nonprofits or anything like that that you want to shout out? Well, again, you know, the, the ones that I mentioned are the main ones. There's yeah. a, I think there's a Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance out there, but it's really more of a trade organization um, and not as much of an advocacy organization. And okay. they, they've got a similar thing in Europe that does the same thing. So, um, again, in National Hemp Association and Vote Hemp and Hemp Industries Association are the main ones that are okay. really on that advocacy side of things. Okay, so those are the advocacy nonprofits then, those ones. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right, so what would your advice be uh, for folks who want to see this industry move forward? We already talked about voting with your dollars. What else can be done? Uh, well, voting with the dollar with your pocketbook is a big one for sure. It's a huge and one. I reaching out to your your con congressional representatives, your your congressmen and your senators, and telling them that they need to support the Industrial Hemp Farming Act. Um, it really does make a difference. I mean, I've always been, up until recently, it's like, you know, why do I want to engage with my representative? Because they, they're not going to care what I say anyway. And I find that that's not necessarily the case. I mean, mm. when I've talked with Jared Polis, um, you know, and he's a a pretty liberal Democrat, he would be considered. And talking with Thomas Massey, who's 
really kind of a Tea Party Republican from Kentucky, you know, both of these guys see this issue very similarly, and that in itself is really encouraging. So if we as citizens engage with our representatives and say, hey, you know, it's ridiculous that this is even classified as a drug because it's not a drug, you guys need to get your act together, pull this thing off the schedule, and give you know, Americans, the same opportunity as all these other countries that are growing it. We don't need to import it. We can grow it right here, you know, in communities all across the country. So, yeah, I would think that the economic aspect would cross party lines. Because, it does cross party yeah. lines. I mean, we're talking jobs. We're talking about, yes. you know, uh, increasing, you know, revenue in a sector that doesn't even exist right now because, you right. know, all of a sudden we start growing, you know, 50, 100, 200, 500,000 acres worth of hemp. You know, we've got a brand new industry with all this raw materials to start creating products. I mean, the economic benefits and the jobs, it's going to dwarf the whole marijuana movement in a decade to, you know, two decades. Yeah. You know, we're talking a, a industry that will be, that has the potential to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So or I guess more. one cl- one closing observation about this is it's really a nonpartisan issue. It's an economic Correct. issue, it's a health issue. So regardless of what side of the aisle you feel you sit on, uh, you can go ahead and support this one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, you know, it's in the today of, you know, partisan politics, this is one thing that, you know, everybody can pretty much agree on. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's good. and that's amazing. That so, is amazing. That is nice. That's really great. Well, thank you so much, Morris, for your time today and for all the information that you provided us about this very renewable resource that we can all get behind. So thank you again, and I can't wait to see you at the NOCO Hemp Expo. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciated the, the conversation, and, and hopefully the listeners got to uh, learn some new stuff today. Yeah, I hope so, too. I know I did. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And our topic for the fourth Tuesday of the month is Anything Goes. And I'm honored that Deborah Silverman is going to join us. Deborah has been described as a foremost psychotherapist astrologer. And she's written a beautiful book called The Missing Element. So I'm really looking forward to that interview as well. So thank you, everyone, for stopping by today. Have a great one. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.